Hey podcast and welcome to episode 8 of the MTB Fitness Podcast. I've got a really, really, really good episode for you today. I literally just got off the Skype call with a guy called Craig Williams. Now Craig is an ex-Royal Marine, he's also an ex-prison inmate, he went to jail for 5 years for attempted murder and we're going to talk about that in the podcast. He has been to the lowest lows of literally being suicidal to where he is today which is a massively inspiring guy. He's completed the Marathon de Sablas which is a huge run through the desert over several days which he goes into detail talking about and he also has a very successful fitness business called team Bootcamp. so there's so much for you to get out of today's podcast and i think you're going to end up like me which is just feeling exceptionally inspired and feeling like any issues or worries or stresses you've got right now are just null and void after you listen to this podcast so enjoy it this is episode eight of the mtb fitness podcast Hey podcast, so today I'm speaking to Craig Williams. Craig is an ex-Royal Marine and now owns a company called Team Bootcamp. Team stands for Think, Eat and Move, which we'll be learning more about today and really diving into that. He's also completed all sorts of insane events, uh, such as the Marathon de Sables, Sables, I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, which is a six-day, 251-kilometer ultramarathon through the Sahara Desert. And off the back of that, he's also released a book called Running Light, the blurb for that, if that's the right word, is the sun, sand, and psychological preparation for the toughest race on earth. So it's essentially about his preparation for going into the Marathon de Sables, which is the insane event, which he'll obviously be talking about today. There's loads more that I've missed off there, but he can tell you all about that today himself. So Craig, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for uh, for having us, Matt. No, it's great. I'm looking forward to it. And um, for those listening, I actually met Craig for the first time at a mentoring day. Craig did an hour presentation. And when I was sat through it, all the stories in it were just amazing. So I was thinking, I need to get in touch with this guy and get him on the podcast. So luckily, here he is today. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a privilege as well. I love, uh, I love sort of, well, in fact, I've only just started sharing some parts of my story. You remember this from, from when I, I spoke do, yeah. to you before. And, um, and I, you know, confidence is like a muscle in it the more you do stuff the, the the better at it you get and i'm getting more and more confident with it and it's it's definitely helping so thanks for the opportunity yeah for sure no i totally agree and i imagine the more that you get your story out there you probably i bet it's nice to kind of get positive reactions to it isn't it rather than all the worries i imagine that you have you know before yeah i mean it's it's a classic thing it's funny because you know, in preparation for this podcast, I listened to a couple of your past episodes, including including one with Rick Moylan, who we you know we both know well. And yeah. uh, you know, you talked a lot about mind reading and and things like that. And and that's you know, I spent basically five or six years. And I know people will be they'll be like, well, "What the hell is he talking about?" But you know, five <laughs> or six years mind reading that people are going to think I'm an absolute bell end, you know. And uh, you know, and and and, I, and I've I've hid away from stuff. But um, to be honest, I've now realised that. And I think I think a lot of your audience will, will resonate with this. Is like, you know, when we think about times when we were immensely proud, that's always followed a time when we've been immensely challenged or we've been down. You know what I mean? And we've had to rebuild ourselves and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and you know, so the, all these all these events, all these things that we kind of you know chat about in a bit, it's all part of. <laughs> an amazing an amazing journey and, and um so that's what we're going to talk about I think. yeah 
I totally agree. I think if life was not challenging, it'd just be boring, wouldn't it? Like, it's the challenging times that make you grow as a person. But you're right, they make you proud of who you become and you feel the most proud after you've done the most challenging uh, challenging events. So I think, probably so the listeners know what we're talking about. Obviously, I know your background. I'd love if you just tell us, uh, I would say a little bit more, but so much to talk about. Just tell us more about, about your story, where you started and everything that I, I know about you today, really, because it is a fascinating story. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, I could I could go right back to when I was a child. Um, I had all sorts of things happen when I was a child, from getting savaged by a dog to you know all all sorts of different stuff. But things sort of really started to kick in for me when um, when I left school. And uh, I left school. I knew I wanted to be a soldier. And um, and I thought, you know, well, if I'm going to be a soldier, uh, I want to be the best soldier that I can be. And I kind of looked around and and I stumbled across this sort of group of of soldiers called the Royal Marines. And I was like, you know what, I'll give that a crack. And uh, so I decided like 17, 17 and a half that I was going to join. In fact, I decided before that, about 16, I decided I was going to go and join the Marines. And um, I remember I remember sort of going to the, the careers office to join up and the guy saying, look, you know, you're very young and um, you've got a chance of doing some A-levels. You may, you've got a chance of perhaps making it as a rugby league player. Um, so go and give like rugby league a crack and go and give your A-levels a crack and then come back in a couple of years. And they, they, they sort of sent me home. Right. Um, little did I know that on my way to the careers office, my mum had phoned the careers office and said, do not let this lad, <laughs> do not let this lad join up. He's not ready and I won't sign any consent forms. I, I only found that out about three or four years ago. Oh, you're joking. Yeah. So uh, she was dead proud when she told me. I was like, geez. So anyway, I went and did two levels. Basically, basically, I just messed around and um, I did enough to scrape through. And that was kind of a thread for the whole of my life, really. I, I, you know, I've always sort of done enough to 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 sort of get through and like every school report was like you know craig could do better could do better and 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 right now fast forward now i'm sort of thinking you know what if i what if my life ends and i've not actually fulfilled my potential you know what i mean what if i kind of never never know truly what i can do um but anyway back back to sort of pardon no, that was good. I, I agree with you. Carry on. Yeah, I mean, it's a, for me, it's a bit of a segue already earlier on, but uh, it's a scary thought, like, you know. It's like, well, anyway, we, we, we've talked about it. We'll come back to it. Also, yeah, yeah. So, Join the Marines. And, um, and to be honest, you know, I wish I could tell you that I was like Soldier X, black tape over my eyes. I was brilliant at everything, built like a brick shit house and all that kind of stuff. And I wasn't, right? But I was absolutely, absolutely terrible. I just about scraped through. And 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 to be honest, you know, there was many many times when I thought, "Geez, I'm I'm so out of my depth here." Um, but I had this thing in my mind where I was like, "You know what? I'm 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 not gonna leave. If, if I'm not good enough, I'm gonna let them tell me I'm not good enough. I'm gonna let them, in effect, sack me, right? But I, I'm gonna talk. I'm, I refuse to to give up. And um, so I was going through training. I was actually much much fatter than everybody else going through training, believe it or not. My nickname okay. in the Marines was Pie Shop when I was in training. They just called me Pie Shop. And I was like, fuck it out. Everyone else was getting extra meals because they needed extra calories. And, and I got I got put on a diet, right? So <laughs> uh, so I went through, went through Marine training. I found it really tough. And I really suffered. I've got immensely flat feet. And I've always had really flat feet. And um, uh, I really suffered with blisters, like horrendous blisters. I had a rupture of the Achilles when I was in training. And... Um, 
every time we had a, you know, you, you're probably seeing inspections and stuff on the on the TV. Uh, and every time I had an inspection, I failed every inspection, you know, it just I got load, I got thrashed all the time for being in the wrong place, wrong time. It was just a huge, huge learning curve for me until until we got what we call in the field, until we got out in the outdoors, actually soldiering, you know, and sneaking around on the in the moorlands and all that kind of then I kind of found my feet and I was I was actually pretty good at it. And okay. um so I managed to scrape through training somehow. Uh and then after training I earned my green berry, which is one of the most you know proud moments of my of my life. And um I became a Royal Marines commando. And and I and it did I did about 15 years in the Royal Marines. Well, just under 15 years. Uh, I went all over the place on, on different operations and um, had an immense time. I was commanded three times for different different uh, different things throughout uh, throughout the Marines on different operations, Afghanistan and Iraq and, and all this kind of stuff. And um, and I, I became a, a good soldier. Uh, I, I had lots of different types of jobs, including uh, sniping in Afghanistan and. I was in the intelligence world for for a little bit, and um, well, I say intelligence world. I had an, an intelligence role, you know, within within our sort of fighting unit, yeah. which is really good. I learned, I learned loads of different stuff, um, and it was incredible. The downside is, it, it took its toll. It really did take its toll, and um, through a series of different events, both in my my service time and stuff that I was growing up and and through my childhood and that I, I developed symptoms of PTSD I, I refuse I refuse the label of having PTSD or what is known as PTSI now I, I don't I don't I don't accept it like you know it, it's like you know when you're out and about and, and you're on your bike and it's freezing cold and so you can call yourself cold can't you say well I'm cold yeah. but you're accepting it's cold you know yeah um, you can sort of say you know you, you can refuse that um Anyway, so I, I, do I don't. That, I don't sorry to interrupt you. Do you think that helped no, you then, refu- kind of refusing to accept the label that you have PTSD, or do you think that's? Uh, do you think it's a strength that that's what you do, or do you think it's a weakness? No, I don't think it's a weakness because I tell you what, there's 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 people, not just service people, that is that are suffering like you would not believe. I mean, you know, there's the suicide rate in this country is just well, and in America and other Commonwealth countries, horrendous because of a service life. Um, yeah. Same with the ambulance service, the police, and all that. I'm a patron now for a military charity called Save Our Soldier, and uh, and they do like suicide intervention. Incredible, incredible charity. But the the rates are shocking. Um, so there's people definitely, definitely struggling out there. Um, I don't know. It's just something that I've always, you know what I mean. I, I, I'm very, I'm very sort of careful what I accept. You know, other yeah. people's predictions of what I'm what I'm doing. Like you know, I just. Um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to be labelled with that. Yeah. But, I, but I was struggling, in effect. Uh, and and my service life was was great. You know, like I said, I, I got commendation in in Afghanistan. And um, but my home life was absolutely in tatters. Like, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't hold down a marriage. Uh, I was struggling as, as a father. You know, I just. It, it's like the old, you know, people talk about the duck syndrome where the duck looks so serene on the top of the water, you know, and look like, oh, look how graceful they are. Yet underneath the water, they're paddling like mad against the current. And that, and that yeah. was, you know, that was like my life. Um, 
And one thing led to another. Long, long, you know, cut, cut a big long story short. I ended up getting, I ended up getting in in the shit basically, and uh, and quite 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 seriously. I mean, my initial charges were attempted murder. Um, basically, there was a, a local sort of Torah, local rogue, uh, going around acting as if he was above the law, drug dealer, all this kind of stuff, local gangster. And I thought, you know what? We'll teach you a lesson, and um, and it didn't end well. <laughs> so I, I got I got charged with attempted murder. I'm not going to go too much into the actual, um, you know, the, like the series of events. We we'll perhaps save that for another time, or a, a talking person, or whatever. I don't know, but that's fine. Uh, I ended up I ended up I ended up doing 18 months on bail, right? And I was still serving in the Marines. And during this 18 months, I was given the job of looking after the guys that were coming back either injured or hurt or looking after the the families of people that was that, that was killed, you know. And, uh, and it was an incredibly humbling job, uh, you know, so privileged to do it. But but that, too, took its toll, you know. And it, it made things even worse, especially when um, the first the first lot of guys that came back from Afghanistan that I was to look after were actually from my section. I would have been looking after them if I had been able to deploy on this, on this, uh, on this operation. And, right. you know, so then I had a little like guilt, you know, could I have looked after them better and would have think would have things been different if I'd have been there. And anyway, all these things were kind of piling up and piling up and piling up. And then I had to go for a big court case. And eventually I, I was given a five year prison sentence. And, and I think, uh, at this point, it's probably for the people listening, because I know you told the story just like that, and obviously I've heard the full story, which is cool. You don't have to go into that now. That's absolutely fine. I think it's a, it was a massive... When you told the story in full, it, it, and uh, when you say attempted murder, it sounds like, oh, my Lord, he went out to murder someone. Like, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like yeah. that at all. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not. I mean, you know, one, one thing I've learned is, like, what you're reading in, in papers and, and Chinese whispers and all that kind of stuff yeah. shows a far cry from what's actually gone on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, basically, you know, we we went to give a bloody a drug dealer a bit of a kicking, and um, you know, in, in essence, and um, completely wrong, you know, and, and I'll, I'll say this now, completely wrong. My 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 mindset at, at the time, this is how I knew that things things were bad for me because I felt at home, you know, I we had a big conflict, and and I felt at home. At, I felt more at home in in conflict, running away from the, the from the police and all this kind of stuff than I did living a, a normal everyday life. I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go into a bank and open a bank account. Yet I was quite happy, you know, evading and bloody all this kind of stuff. And yeah. uh, and that and that's an indication of like of where my head was really. You know, I was I was I was happier, you know, in in. Uh, in Afghanistan getting bloody, you know, rocketed or something like that than I was in everyday life. And, yeah. um, yeah, so, so that's kind of where I was. And, uh, and I went, I then went, I went to prison for, for five years and, um, well, I served two and a half years in prison and, uh, and that in itself was an eye opener because, you know, I didn't ever, ever expect or, you know, to, to uh, plan on on, go, on going to prison, like, but um, and when I got there, because I'd had like over a decade of military experience, I, I kind of held myself differently. I spoke differently, you know, even my my manners and my my self discipline and and morals and everything was different. I stood out, and because I stood out, everyone thought I was a copper. You know, <laughs> everyone just wanted to. <laughs> 
fight me because they thought I was a copper and and, and I wasn't. And um, I was locked up for 23 hours a day and uh, and, I, and I was given a, a, an hour out of my cell every every night and um, and and put all the bravado to one side. It's actually, you know, it's quite a scary place. Sounds when, horrendous. When you first get in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially because I was, I was way out of my depth, like, you know, yeah. I, I, everyone was in there talking street and I was like, I don't even understand what you're saying. You know, They're like, you know, touch me, man. I'm like, what, what are you even talking about? And, uh, I just didn't fit in. So what I started doing was every time I was let out myself, I'd literally just go and run around the yard. And the yard was like 20, 20 meters by 40 meters or something like that. It's not a very big yard. And I'd literally run around the yard for the full hour and, and my mindset was, well, whilst ever I'm running, nobody can talk to me. Whilst ever I'm running, nobody can attack me. And if they want to attack me, well, they're going to have to bloody get on the heels to, you know, to catch me or whatever. <laughs> and I, I just, I was just, I just run around the, the yard. And I must have looked like some crazy Forrest Gump type bloke, but it was a means of survival, you know, in my eyes then. Um, yeah. But but also it turned into much more than than sort of, you know, a way to pass time or protect myself. It, it became it became a way for me to sort of process a lot of my thoughts, process a lot of my actions and work out how I feel about them, you know. Okay. And, I'm, and I'm sure guys listening to this, yeah. when they get on the bike, yeah, totally. you, know, it, it, you can have all the bills in the world. You get on the bike and you head out on the hills or you start, you know, careering through some mud. I've seen the crazy shit you guys do. You know, <laughs> the, the bills, are, you forget about it. You know what I mean? It's, it's you and the bike and the outdoors and the way you go. And you've, yeah. there's a couple of factors that's going to affect you. One being gravity. You know what I mean? And and, and, and you, you can trust in it. And, and and that's what that sort of running for an hour became. It, be, it became a lot of like reflection, t- time for reflection for me. And oh, yeah. um, I kind of progressed through the the um, the prison system and, and, and I kind of left and I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, I've got a, I've got a tarnished name or I thought I had a tarnished name, you know, yeah. everything that I've been working for, for over a decade now is, is gone. And, um, you know, there's no call for bloody snipers in Civvy street. <laughs> you know, what the hell am I going to do? And I thought the only thing I can do now really is just, you know, you start this process of retraining of, of and I, and I thought I'm going to, ru- I'm going to ring the system dry, you know, being the re- this prison system. And I started, I started getting on every course that I could uh, from, you know, maths, English, web design, bloody how to sew a post bag away, you know what I mean? All these <laughs> different courses because I thought I just need to upskill now. I need to I need to sort of pivot and and, and I've got to go in a different direction. Yeah. And um, and I started doing all these courses and I, and I found that, you know, despite back at, being back at school where it was like could have, you know, could have done better. I found that I could do like a 12 week course and I could bang it out in two weeks. Because, Why? What was the, uh, go on, you were going to answer. Because I wanted to learn. I had a big reason to learn, you know, yeah. and, and I became a sponge and it's, it's one of those things in it. When you become interested in something, you, you, you could, everyone's got the ability to learn, yeah. you know, even if you sort of think you haven't, but we've, we've all learned, we've learned everything from walking to eating our dinner. You know, there's only a few things that we do naturally. And, um, you know, I, I found, I found this, all of a sudden, I was like, right, I need to learn this now, yeah. and um, and I started doing loads of courses, including some some fitness courses and uh, some training courses, and um, and and then I got a job in the in the in the prison gym as um as a like a 
an orderly in the gym. So, you know, I'd basically look after the kit and, and all this kind of stuff. Okay. And, and that was great because it meant that I could do more running, you know, and um, I could do more, more like strength training specific to running. And, and it just, it became a thing. And, that, and that's what one of the, you know, I've got a couple of little notes written down here, which I've completely ignored to be honest. But one of the it's things right, I thought was like, you know, that, running running is my thing mountain biking is, is is your guys thing but it will always be there yeah you know you can you can rely on it because it'll always be there it's not like some girlfriend who's going to ditch you running will always be there for me and it always was there for me and became this constant and let's let's fast forward i, I, I left, um... I left Sorry to sorry to interrupt you. Do you think that that constant is important? Then it sounds obviously you made a note of that, so that's important to you. Why do you think having a constant like you're running, like riding for us? Why do you think that's so important to for life and to get you through tough times? I tell you why, because you know, in order to do your best, you know, and ultimately we're talking about performance here, right? Whether it's you're in a competition with other people or with yourself or whatever. Yeah. Life life is a competition, you know, and and to to perform at your best, you, you need three things. You've got to have some nerves. You've got to be a little bit fearful. People run, you know, literally, excuse the pun, scared of, of fear. Okay. Yeah. But you need some fear because, you know, when we look at like arousal in the human body, fear is really important. It, yeah. it creates physiological um, effects in the body that we need to perform at our best, you know, mm -hmm. fight and flight and all this. But we, we just need to be able to channel it. The other thing that we need to do is, is have some excitement. We've got to be excited about what we're going to do. We, you know, we, You've got to be excited again to get the best from yourself. And yeah. then the third thing that you need is you've got to have some faith. You've got to have some faith in what you're doing, you know, because without faith, you can't throw everything at it. You, you know, yeah. you can't, you, you don't, you know, it kind of it speaks for itself. And what I'm kind of saying is that you can you can have faith in whatever your chosen sport is, that it, it will be there. When you're having a down day, it'll be there. When you're having a, a great day, it'll be there. You know, when you're fed up of it and you want to have a break, that's fine. When you come back, it'll be there. And, <laughs> and it's about having, you know, faith in something. And uh, and I always had faith, regardless of what was going on, and we'll go into some other stuff in a minute. Yeah. I knew that I could whack my trainers on and... And I'd be all right, you know. I could have a little bit of respite from it. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, and I think us mountain bikers listening to this can completely relate. Like as you're saying things like that, completely the same. Like when you've had a great day and the sun's out, you're like, oh, I can't wait to go ride my bike. And when you've had a horrendous day, or you might have had a bill through the door, or something bad's happened, or like I lost my granddad last last summer, uh, summer before. It was like, right, I need to go ride my bike. So I think for for processing all the positive things that are going on in your life, but also the negative things, you're right. It's that constant, and it's that you know it's always there for you to de-stress or think things through, both both good and bad. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thanks for uh, going into yeah, detail. Well, and the other thing as well is, you know, how, how many times have you given up what you really, really love doing in life <laughs> for somebody else? You know what I mean? And I'm not saying, like, be ultimately selfish, but I'm just saying that, you know, there are times when I sort of sit there and thinking, oh, you know, I'd love to go for a run or go for a swim or go to the gym or whatever. And then, you know, the wife's like, oh, should we watch bloody tv you know what i mean and it's like yeah yeah if you remember that look i'm sorry but before you was on the scene running used to look after me yeah. <laughs> i've got this uh i don't know perhaps i'm rambling there but you, you no, know no, no, it's no, about I, agree. That, 
There's, uh, there's it's, it's, it's the old adage, isn't it, of uh, putting your own mask on first. You know, when a plane's going down, you put your own oxygen mask on before you put the person next to you on. And I think that you need to be a little bit selfish to be selfless. I think a lot of the family dads listening to this and the mums as well will always put the family first. But actually, you end up doing a worse job in your relationship and in your work if you don't look after yourself as well you know you can be really really busy and do all the other things but actually you need to look take care of you need to take care of what takes care of you so for you if that's running it's so important for your mental health and for your physical fitness and your physical health to to go run so i think you do need to be a little bit selfish to be selfless and i think you're a better person and a better partner and a better better businessman or whatever you are and because of that mm. Yeah, definitely. And in, in a minute, I'm going to offset. What, what, you know, we're not saying like just be mega selfish. No, you no, go. no, no, no. I mean, you know, you're not road cyclists. Now, those people are so nobody kidding. But um, <laughs> the the I'm going to go into like my I've, I have a, a, a four um, a four step framework for for grit. You know, uh, about how to be gritty and get through stuff and you know face it and 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 get through because sometimes we, we've got to go through it. You know, and um, I want to go into that in a minute and part of it it offsets what we're talking about about you know having faith and it's always been there so we'll we'll come on to that um so yeah anyway we're burning through the time and uh but it's such as you know we've got so much to get through but i left prison and um i went to get a job i actually went to get a job uh at a college and um when i was in prison i had had this little job of like working in education and all this i was teaching vietnam english to vietnamese and all this kind of stuff and i thought maybe that's what i want to do you know i want to be like a bit of a games teacher or whatever so i went to a college for uh kids with challenging behavior and um i'd done something similar before and and and, and i didn't get the job like it, it, you know still to this day i'm like god what an absolute failure you know i didn't i didn't get the job because of my criminal record and um, about the same time, I got a lot of knockbacks as well from service charities. I approached a couple of service charities for help and they, they, they wouldn't help me because they said, you know, I'm too high risk and, you know, I didn't have a drink and drug problem and all this kind of stuff. And I, I got a lot of knockbacks. And at the time, I was kind of a, a mix of sofa surfing and, and living in an old rusty van, sort of homeless. Um, I had no means of income. I couldn't I couldn't claim any benefits. Uh you know, I, I, I was I was on the bones of my ass, really, and mm-hmm. um, and to top it all off, I was I was I was pretty suicidal, to be fair. And and I know a lot of people throw that around nowadays. And um, uh, you know, and I have, I have a challenge. If you you know, if you're truly suicidal, then how how, how desperate have you got to be, you know, to do that? Because I I know I was at the point where I was like, right, that's it, enough's enough. And I shit my pants, you know. I was I was looking at, I was facing head-on traffic, and I was like, right, that's it, enough. And I, and, I, and I shit my pants, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to ruin the day of this guy that was driving the truck that I was going to drive into, and there's no way I'm going to do it to my mum, and there's no way I was going to leave my kids without a dad, you know. And I didn't have the balls, but what what I what at that point then I was like, I've got you know if I if I'm if I'm not going to do this serious thing. I need to stop wallowing in my own pity and I need to start rebuilding a life. You know, I've got to, we love pity, don't we, as humans like, you know, <laughs> we, we love it, especially with social media now. But I was like, it's got, it's got to change. You know, I can't, I can't stay like this. And and that really was the point where 
I really, you know, I started, I started setting some goals, you know, where, where do I want to be? Cause I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, I started taking action towards like making some money cause nobody was going to, it was clear that nobody was going to give me any, you know, yeah. I'd start earning it. Um, I basically had to start creating a life. Uh, I, I think up until that point, I just expected people to go, right, yeah, Craig, I'll, I'll sort you out with this. And, you know, there's some benefits and, and, and it weren't going to happen. And and to be honest, I'm glad it didn't happen because, you know, I probably wouldn't be sat here right now yeah. if I'd have been given these handouts and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, so that's what happened. I started, uh, I started you know, leaning on some of the fitness qualifications that I picked up in prison. Um, I, I signed up for a personal training, like level three personal training course. And I thought, how the hell am I going to pay for this? Who knows? But sod it, it's going to happen. <laughs> And um, and I started picking up a couple of clients locally. You know, I was chatting to people and started getting a bit of client. And I was I was basically saying, look, I'm you know I'm not fully qualified PT yet, but I'll train you if you can just give me and and, and they kind of give me a bit of money for that. No understanding that I was still training. Yeah. Um. And 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 I started building and building. I managed to get qualified. Uh, about this time, I thought I'd been trying to get counselling through the NHS, and and it was just a nightmare. We all know, you know, NHS. Let's face it, they do an incredible job, but by God, they're just so short of resources. No wonder people are getting messed around. And, uh, you know, that was a classic case for me. And I decided, right, I'm, I'm clearly not going to get anything for the NHS. I'm going to go, let's look into getting some counselling private. And and I found this organisation that they, they they provided counselling, but it was means tested. So whatever you, and I was like, well, I'm earning fuck all. So, <laughs> you know, I was paying not a right lot really, but... Uh, I basically, I was using half the money that I was making to live and, and to eat and half to pay for my private counselling. And and I really sort of, similar to the education stuff in prison, I really threw myself at this counselling, you know. And um, I didn't expect it to work. I mean, I, I turned up on the on the first session. And uh, tell me if I'm just rambling and you want to... Oh, you're good. No, 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 you carry on. I'll just interrupt. <laughs> yeah, I, I sat down across from this woman. I, I can't remember her name, but... Um, and she looked at me and she sort of went, <sighs> and I looked at her and I thought, what the fuck do you know about, <laughs> about service in the Royal Marines? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, fuck all about what I've been through or what. And, and I thought, there's no way this is going to work. But I thought, you know what? I, I made a pledge that if I weren't going to bloody, if I didn't have the balls to bloody top myself, I've got to have the, the the grit and the gumption to rebuild myself, right? And and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna go at it. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going despite you know what. And do you know what? I'm glad I did because after a couple of seconds, uh, a couple of sessions, it, things started to fall into place. And I basically I, I started to talk about things that were troubling me. I expected to go there and deal with problems like you know dead bodies and all this kind of stuff. And it, it weren't it, you know. I, I start talking about pretty trivial things, and and I'd work out how I felt about it, and and then other things would just fall into place, and I and I, I suddenly found that I was I was starting to sort my head out, and and you know this this is a massive thing, you know I'm pretty sure with your the number of listeners you've got, you've got lads out there that are struggling right now, right? Yeah. And like, I know oh, you don't you know you shouldn't talk and put on this brief bullshit, bullshit, right? You know I I receive commendations. In the military, right? I'm telling you now, you're a fool if you hold on to it. You've got to start talking 
to somebody that you, you trust. Faith again, you know, you got to got to start talking about it. Anyway, let's get back onto it. Um, yeah, that was good. The so I started doing this counselling and I started building this personal training business from the back of a van. Basically, my my younger brother bought me a laptop. Uh, my my older brother built me a little website, and my little sister bought me an internet don- internet dongle. You know, before four yeah, G. It was a little internet dongle with a SIM card and she put credit on there every now and again for me. And from the back of a van, I started this little personal training business and I, and I built and built and built. Um, after a, about a year, I uh, I started working at residential boot camps and um, and I met who was to become my wife, Paula. And um, oh, life, life changed, you know, incredible. <laughs> and uh, we decided we were going to, through a whole series of events, we decided we was going to set up our own residential boot camp. And um, not long afterwards, we, we did, penniless. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't really have a, a great deal to get started, but we somehow managed to blag the lease on a three million pound house and uh <laughs> which is sounds bizarre but we did and um, and we managed to blag a lot of clients to come and, and stay with us and to lose weight and um and that has evolved now into into team boot camp where we coach thousands of people every year to we say think eat and move differently and, and this is the key thing really it's about you know we, we've always sort of come at stuff a, a different way um uh and that's that, you know that is bit of a taking like 30 minutes or whatever but a whistle stop tour of, of, of some Your of the life stuff kind of gone through yeah um now like i say you know i'm very proud to be a patron of a service charity i'm the resident expert on the jeremy cow show with itv um i've done extreme weight loss shows uh on sky tv uh speaker i coach people predominantly to lose weight but also small business marketing for fitness professionals um yeah, I've wrote a couple of books along the way, believe it or not, you know, and 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 that's it. And you know what? I feel like I'm just getting started. I really do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for everyone listening to this, like I had no idea, never heard of you before when I turned up to uh, to listen to the day, but I was like, oh, this guy's an ex-Marine. This would be interesting. And I think everyone who's listening now, like it's just amazing to see how you've gone from as low as you can possibly get, you know, about to throw yourself in front of a wagon, like you can't get any well, lower I tell, than that I, I tell you to what, where you are today. Yeah, I, mean, I, I tell you what, you know, people sort of, when I talk to people who are starting a business and they're like, I haven't got anything, I'm like, fuck, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. And they're like, what do you mean? I says, because when I started, I, <laughs> I had less than nothing. I had a, a tarnished name, I had no reputation, I didn't even have the qualifications, I had no money, you know what I mean? I'd just come out of prison, I got a bloody criminal a conviction, and, and, and straight away it puts it into context for them, you know, and they're like, no, oh, yeah, you know, I might be starting with nothing, but bloody hell, it could be worse. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just shows that no matter whether you've got whether you've got something or nothing, you can you can do it anyway. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, so we, we started talking about running and we started talking about some of the events. Um, so yeah. one of the one of the ways that I kind of check in with myself now is uh I'll go and do like multi-day endurance events. Um, I've got a bit of a thing with mountain biking at the minute because I was I'm looking at an event called the Eco Challenge. I don't know if anyone's heard of that before. Bear Grylls has just got hold of it and he's doing some great stuff with it. Um, but basically, it's a 400 mile race. It can be anywhere in the world, and they'll include running, horse riding, mountain biking, canoeing, climbing, all different um, things. And you do it as a team. Right. Well. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at getting a team together for that next year. And you know, I'm going to have to practice some mountain biking in order to do that. <laughs> um, but but I've, I do every now and well every year I'll I'll do a couple of 
of events. Uh, and one of the things that I've I've always wanted to do was the Marathon de Sabs, which stands for Marathon of the Sands. Um, basically, like you said, 160 miles, uh, 170 miles, depending on, on the route they do, because the route changes every year, through the Sahara Desert, um, completely self-sufficient and, and kind of away you go. And the Discovery Channel called it the toughest foot race on earth. I, no, I now know that it's not the toughest foot, foot race. Well, it wasn't, you know, in, in my opinion. But it was, okay. it was, it was very, very, very tough. And um, and I did that in 2016, and I remember I remember getting like I said it'd be a goal of mine for a long time, and um, I thought I want to do that before I'm 40, and and that year I was turning 40, and uh, every year they have a ballot where you put your name in, and if you get your, if your name comes out, then you go and do the the event, and I missed out on the ballot, and I thought well I'm not having that, so uh, I basically I, I wrote to a load of charities, and I said look. This is me. Blah, blah, blah. I really want to do this event. Uh, I'm serious. Give me, give me a shot. And I, I got five replies back from different charities. One of which, a service charity called Walking with the Wounded, and um, they offered me a place in, in oh, the race. Wow. I thought, right, I'm gonna, this is it. Brilliant. And um, it, there was about 16 months to go before the start of the race. I thought, 16 months. You know, with my sort of training expertise and the fact that I eat, sleep, shit, breathe boot camp i can be an incredible you know uh condition for this i, I can be yeah. like top notch and i was sort of thinking i was looking at the times online which you know any of you guys that race i'm sure you do it you know you look at the times mm -hmm. and you think right okay i can get in like top top 50 or top 20 top five or whatever and i was looking at it, i was thinking I, I reckon i can come in the top 100 here and um anyway fast forward about about 14 months to go and i was thinking I can come in the top 200 here. <laughs> right. and then, then like another, another couple of months passed with no training and, uh, you know, life gets in the way and life gets busy. And I was like, mm, I reckon I can finish like middle of the pack here, you know, right. And it kept going. And I, I like, I, I was a month away from the event and I went out for a 20 mile run early in the morning and I had to phone my wife to come and get me after about 12 miles. I had a, a completely, what is it you guys say? Do you, do you bonk? Or oh, you bonk. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Bonk. Yeah. You guys bonk. I don't, I think it's bonking running. I don't know, but, I know there's two, yeah, di yeah. two different words in the triathlon world anyway, but uh, absolutely bonk, like zero blood sugar. I was just like vomiting at the side of the road. And I was like, fucking 12 miles. I used, you know, I could do this round a bloody 20 meter by 40 meter yard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in prison plimsolls before. But what the hell's wrong with me? And I just, you know, I, I slipped out, out of condition really. And my wife had to come and get me. And I remember slumping down into a passenger seat. And I, I was shivering. You know what it's like when you get, you know, yeah, it's not yeah, even that yeah. cold shivering because your body, your body's just all over the place. And she looked at me and then she didn't have to say anything. I could just see in her eyes. She was like, you are going to die in the Sahara. <laughs> <You know? laughs> how long and ago, I, how, far, how uh, close to the event again was it? Sorry. I was four weeks out. Oh my lord. four weeks out from the event. And I was like, what the hell? And, and you know, how have I let it, like get to this? And, <laughs> and then she said, you know, when she looked at me and I kind of read what she was thinking, I looked and I thought, I've just got to, I've just got to get through this now, you know, and, and what I did, and this is what actually my, my book running light is about. It's I, I started concentrating on the things that, that I could do something with, you know, like, like the training is done and dusted. The what ifs, the, all that kind of, it, it's, I've lost the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, but I'm not finished. 
when we talked about faith, right, we as 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 animals, we are, we are born to run. We're all runners. You might not like running because if you do loads of mountain biking and sitting down and your hip flexors are short, it might hurt. But, you know, we're we built to run. You've only got to look at our anatomy, you know, and we're built to run long distances. We get rid of heat better than any animal, you know, and that's because we're built to run animals into the ground. You look at our the arches in our feet. You look at the, the musculature in, in, in our body. We were just built to run. And yeah. um, so... So I had faith in that, you know, and, and the way I describe it is like, you know, if you buy, if you buy a Land Rover, in fact, let's flip it. Let's, yeah, no, let's go with a Land Rover. You buy a Land Rover, you put it in the garage for five years and then you drag it out. Is it still a Land Rover? Yeah. We're still runners. We might need to change the tires, change the fuel, change the oil. You know, we might need to bloody, you know, sort a couple of things out and break, you know, break break the, the brakes free and all that kind of stuff. But it's yeah. fundamentally still a Land Rover. And I had faith in that. Fundamentally, I had faith that this is what my body's built for. And the, the next thing I started to look at was like, well, a lot of people spent a lot of time thinking about the actual physical bag you was going to carry. You know, how much weight, how much food, how much water, what kind of blister kit. I mean, this race is so severe, you have to carry a venom extraction kit, right? In case you get bit <laughs> by a whatever and you know so it's it's a serious event and and people obsess over trimming the laces down so they're lighter chopping the toothbrush in half so it's less weight you know it's just it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> for me i thought instead of concentrating on the physical pack right which let's face it you know not only are we built to run but we're built to survive like you know yeah and i know the desert i know the desert from oman uh the uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, yeah, yeah. and I know, and now to survive in the desert. Um, there's another bag. There's another bag which can be, you know, ten times the weight, if not more, uh, so crippling that it, it could just ruin us. And that's the the psychological baggage that you carry, you know. So I thought all I can do is is concentrate on this psychological baggage. You know, I need to be make sure that my mindset is a hundred percent right because I know my body will take over. You know, when when my bloody when my legs give up, yeah. you know, my heart will take over when my legs give up. And um, so I started to to focus on that. I started doing other stuff like I did this really intense course of of yoga, really intense course of uh, sports massage therapy, like deep tissue massage, because I want to prevent injury. You know, yeah. um, and I was having, believe it or not, I was having. Uh, sports massage with a Reiki chaser, which is like right. everyone's had Reiki before. You know, it's incredible. And, you know, I was having like one. My wife actually rubbing down my legs, my calves, and my um, my hamstrings and all that. My IT band, and then this other woman like Reiki in my head. You know, it sounds bizarre, but it just you know, she was like, "I'm clearing your energy and all." <laughs> thought, Meanwhile, your wife's digging the elbow in your calf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but I felt great afterwards, and and I did loads of heat preparation. You know, preparate because it was like up to fifty degree heat, and. Um, and, you know, I, I started to prepare the body for, for heat, hot baths. Uh, I made like a little heat chamber at home. I put a watt bike in a small part of the room and a uh, lot of like heaters around me to get the, the temp. And I was in an Arctic jacket, you know, and I'd do loads of heat work every day in right, the sauna. Wow. I'd jog on the spot for an hour in the sauna. And um, basically started to, started to address the things that I could make a, a big difference in a short amount of time. Yeah. 
Um, and but I have faith that my legs will carry me on, and and faith that commando spirit, which is something you nurture when you're going through raw range training, and the grit that I developed through, basically, in essence, the shit that I've been through in life, yeah. would get me through, you know. Um, and then I, I flew out, and uh, and and really, I remember driving down to the airport, and my my wife was. You know, she's like, are you excited? And I was like, yeah, really excited. And she goes, are you nervous? I was like, yeah, really nervous. <laughs> and, uh, and she was, you know, and, and and I said, so how do you think I'm going to do, seriously? And she went, ah, you'll come in the top two. <laughs> what did you say? I think there's 1,600 people do the event. It's a big event yeah, in the endurance world. And um, she said, ah, yeah, you'll you top 400. And I was like, 400? <laughs> I just want to finish. Say again? I said, I just want to finish. Yeah, yeah, I was like, you know, just, I just want to get around, but don't be silly. And she was like, no, 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 I'm serious. I think you will. And I was like, no, I said, if I, if I come in, you know, less than under a thousand, I'd be happy. I mean, these are serious runners, you yeah, know, yeah. serious, serious runners that have been conditioning for years and years and years. And, you know, they're, they're, they love running. Um, they're not little ex pie shop, bloody people like me, you know, <laughs> flat feet and, and all this. And, um, so I thought, right, I'm going to give it a go. The, the first part of the race was some of the most horrendous times of my life. I, I was suffering really bad with dehydration and uh, heat exhaustion, um, up to the point where I, to be honest, I needed a drip. Uh, I was really, really severely dehydrated, but I managed to kind of sort myself out. Um, we're, we're definitely running out of time, Matt. I'm really... I know, mate. I know. Don't worry. You you wind it up. <laughs> part two, you know, we'll, we'll carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I want, I, I want to talk more about the, the marathon this harvest because it was uh, it was ridiculous, really. I, I was on fucking death's door, and um, I managed to sort of sort myself out. If you get any kind of medical attention, you, you get a time penalty. And I didn't want a time penalty, so I thought, you know, I understand dehydration. I've been there before in the Marines. You know, I understand heat exhaustion. I've experienced that. Um, you know, it's about this, you know, knowledge dispels fear. And a lot of people, when they, you know, they start feeling shit and they, they start panicking, but I know it, you know, you know what I mean? Of course. Um, I think there's a great lesson there for your mountain bikers. Like if you know, if you know what lactic buildup feels like next time you're piling up a, a hill, you, you understand it, you know, yeah. you know what's going on. Um, if you know what heat exhaustion and dehydration, what those, what those feel like, it's much easier to sort of, to grit through it, you know, and, and to think, and, and also to be a bit smart about it. Cause there was times when I was like, I'm going too fast. It's as simple as that. And if I carry on like I am, I'm going to cream in and, and that's it. I'm, I'm done. Right. I'll slow down. I'll get under tree. I'll, you know, I'll get in some shade for a bit. I'll, I'll take on extra fluids. Um, you're just more aware of what's, what's kind of happening. And, um, I kind of limped through the first day, which was horrendous. And, uh, and I thought, right, I just need to slow down and be smarter here. And and I started to put a lot of the principles principles that I've wrote about in the Running Light book um, into play. Some really really simple stuff, but you know I always say it's simple to do, but also simple not to do, and that's kind of what catches people out. Yeah. Um, and I finished the race. I, you know I finished. It was incredible. I remember crying on on the last day uh, on the start line because I was I was absolutely exhausted, but I just knew I was so close to for finally. And I'm actually, I don't know if I'm welling up now because of this or whatever, but, <laughs> but finally, at some point, reaching my potential. Does that make sense? If we loop all the way back to school, 
Like, could have tried harder. Could have. I couldn't have tried any harder right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I just couldn't. And um, but I'd done it. You know, I got, I got the medal, and and it was just incredible. And and I literally cried on the finish line. You know, and uh, um. Get so that was that. Uh, hearing it. But, say again. I said I get goosebumps just hearing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what yeah. um what position did you come in? You told us at the uh at the talk. Uh I wasn't gonna tell you. Oh, I, okay, sorry. I, I, uh, I think it was three hundred and twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. Mental. Absolutely mental. <laughs> uh, you know, just just ridiculous. So uh <laughs> Um, well, I think that I know we obviously we'll we'll do part two because I definitely want to dive more into that. And you've done other ones, haven't you? Like one through the jungle, is that right? And the Amazon, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'd I'd love to get you on on again. And I know you said you'd be up for that. So what we'll do, we'll do a part two sometime where you can talk even more about each event and kind of tell you t- take your time telling each different bit. And we'll go into the grit analogy because you told yeah, that on the day and that was amazing. Um, so I know you need to get off. I know you've got a call in a couple of minutes. So thank you so much for getting on. I'll chat about all the. Uh, and everything uh, in the in the outro now. Um, so, Craig, is there anything else that you want to end with? Uh, I can add everything into the into the outro. No, do you know what? Oh, the, do, do, come back for part two because you know we are yeah. literally, like I said about my life, we're, we're just getting started on this. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, so, so stick with it, and um, yeah, that, that's it really. Look forward to that. Awesome. Wicked. Well, Craig, thank you so much for coming on, pal. And uh, we'll uh, we'll speak in part two. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, buddy. Hey, welcome back. I told you it was going to be a fascinating episode today. I hope you really enjoyed it. Craig is a really down-to-earth and just inspiring guy. I'll show you really great. I could literally talk to him for two or three hours. <laughs> well, longer, to be honest, a full day. And um, Do make sure to check in for the second episode of this because we're going to be able to sit down and go into much more detail again because there's just so much to talk about. Um, check out craig's instagram bootcamp craig be sure to do that and also buy his book as well which is running light i will add the link to that in the description Uh, other than that i hope you really enjoyed the episode be sure to check in for part two which will come up over the next few weeks and please do subscribe to the podcast and leave a review it's really 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 helpful when you do that because it basically means that it shows this podcast to more people so if you think that more mountain bikers like you should listen to the mtb fitness podcast all i ask is that you please leave a review in itunes in whatever app you're using that would be a massive help other than that thanks so much and i will see you next week for episode nine of the mtb fitness podcast see you soon